You are listening to an Elam Church Christchurch podcast. We hope that you are encouraged and inspired by the message you are about to hear. And if you're ever in Christchurch, why don't you pop in and say hello. We'd love to connect. Good morning, everyone. Um, Excuse me as I sit because this baby is not very far away. And I did try practice in my room standing and then I had to take a lot of deep breaths. So... So here we are. (laughs) Um, I wanted to wish you all a a very happy Mother's Day. And I know that for some people that is a very happy Mother's Day. But for for some of us whose mothers are not here or who are far away, or for those of us that have an as-yet unfulfilled promise of being a mother, this can be a day that's a bit tricky to navigate. And so I wanted to say that we stand with you too today and we honour you Um, in all the capacities that we are mothers. Um, The title of my message today is Finding Steadiness in the Storm. And I'm hoping that you leave today encouraged that despite whatever chaos comes our way in life, because it does, right? Life is not straightforward. Whatever chaos comes your way, that you can leave encouraged that God is trustworthy enough to be our firm anchor and trustworthy enough to lead us on through the storm and to the good that is on the other side. And I want to start with a question. And the question I have for you is this. What is your response when you're suddenly faced with something in your lives that was not what you had planned? Maybe it's when you're unexpectedly let go from your job. Maybe it's like some of us have experienced when COVID hits your household and uh, all plans go on hold. And it's seven days at home, sometimes with small people and all that that entails. Maybe, as I've experienced many times, it's when your toddler just suddenly spews in the car, all through the car seat buckles. Disgusting. I am not really known for having a cool head under pressure when it comes to particularly our children. And I'd love to say that as a doctor, when they get injured, I just steam in and, you know, save the day. But I have been known, and I'm sure Pete can testify to this, that I may or may not run around like a headless chicken going, Is he bleeding? (laughs) I would like to have a better response than that, but as yet, have not found that. I want to tell you a story, a story that starts, well, let's just put it in the good old days pre-pandemic. It wasn't that long ago, was it? Before we had lockdowns or knew what those were, before masks everywhere, before we knew what COVID and PPE were. Well, in 2019, my husband Pete and I, we were approached to consider being pastors down here. And that sounds like the sort of thing that you'd be really chuffed about being asked. And uh, I have to say, at the time, though, we were living 1,200 kilometres away from here in the sunny North Island in a beautiful place called Whangarei. And although Pete had chatted to me prior about being, like, ready to go when God asks you to move, like, this is the job and, and this is the career path as a pastor, and, well, I was very settled. I liked our home. We had great friends <clears throat> with kids around the same age. We had an amazing church family, and, and, and it was a good life. It was real 
life, you know, like ups, downs. My child didn't sleep through the night for nine months and, and, and you know, but we were really settled. That was really home for us. And, and so when we were approached, we prayed about this decision at length. And God, as you can clearly see, was like, yes, off you go. Of course, you, yes, good, go. This is what I prepared you for. And so we thought, yes, okay, we'll make this decision. That was all very exciting. And, and then we had to actually pack up our lives. We had to tell all of our friends that we were leaving. And we had to find a house here. And we had to find a job here for me. And, and as we started to do that, it really started to hit home. It really started to become real for me that we, we actually are moving a very long way away from all our supports. We actually are taking our little Joel away from all of his special mates. We actually are going to be very cold. Very, very cold. <laughs> we had not worn a thick jacket in eight years, so let's just say that, you know, yeah. And these thoughts began to sort of swirl in my mind, and despite the fact that we clearly heard from the Lord that this was what he wanted, I began to feel seriously unsettled. I began to feel kind of blindsided by this. I knew it would happen eventually, but the actual act of it coming and physically packing up my life into those boxes with kind of the great unknown ahead. It was kind of like pitching myself headlong into a bit of a rolling storm. Where are we going to? Who are these people? <laughs> How will I make friends? Like, as an adult, it's not that easy, right? How will I make friends? How will I support my kids and myself as we grieve the loss of our old life? And, and try to sort of confidently walk into this new life. Will people see the real me and, like, want to be my friend? What are we doing? What are we doing, God? And I believe that the devil really wormed his way into my head, and I began to really question whether we were doing the right thing. I think it's important to realize that as Christians, it's not a given that life will be easy, that just because we have a belief in an all-powerful God, that it doesn't mean we get it all handed to us on a silver platter. And stuff happens. Change happens. Chaos happens. And I think it, it comes down to what our knee-jerk response is in the moment that we're presented with that chaos. And that's what I want to focus on. For those of us that were here when the earthquakes happened, Pete and I were, well, I was a student here, Pete was a teacher, that was pretty shocking. That was pretty chaotic. It changed a lot of people's lives. Or the mosque shootings, or the more recent floods, or countries declaring war on one another. And that's some pretty external things. I'm sure that you guys can all personally think of things that, can happen, uh, that have happened to you that were not really what you might have written for yourself. Maybe it's the sudden loss of a loved one unexpectedly. Maybe it's the chaos of moving house. <laughs> Maybe it's losing a relationship with someone. Maybe it's a sudden health crisis rearing its head. And so the question arises, what do we do? 
What does God want us to do when we're faced with uncertainty and change and chaos? How do we stay anchored in God? How do we find peace in all the uncertainty? How do we stay calm and not let the panic rise up? And how do we fend off the devil when he comes for our minds? The Bible has lots of examples of this, but I want to draw you into the story of a woman named Ruth who experienced her own storm. And I want to draw from her story some really helpful things that I think that God wants us to do when we're presented with uncertainty and chaos. So let's set the scene here. Ruth Ruth is a Moabite woman. She's not an Israelite. And for reference, the Moabites are long-standing enemies of Israel, and they descended from Abraham's nephew, Lot. The Bible tells us they were frequently hostile to Israel, and they didn't believe in God, but rather like a whole host of multiple gods. So we're going to read in Ruth, and if you've got your Bible, then great, turn to Ruth 1.1, otherwise it's up on the screens, I hope. <clears throat> and it says, In the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and two sons with him. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife was Naomi, and their two sons were Marlon and Kilian. And in verse 3 it reads, Then Elimelech died, and Naomi was left with her two sons. The two sons married Moabite women, not something that was usually done in Israelite culture. One married a woman named Orpah, and the other a woman named Ruth. But about ten years later, both Marlon and Killian died, and this left Naomi alone, without her two sons or her husband. And I realise we're focusing on Ruth here, but um, let's spare a thought for poor Naomi, who has, uh, in a foreign land, uh, she's... Uh, surrounded by foreign people who worship foreign gods, and she's lost both her husband and her two sons in the space of 10 to 20 years. I I don't think I would be handling that situation particularly well. (laughs) And the chapter goes on to explain that the famine in Israel ends, the land is bountiful again, and Naomi decides to go home. And she tries to send these two widows back to their families, We assume that they're childless. It doesn't say anything about them having children. But for Orpah and Ruth, this is kind of akin to a death sentence. They're probably about 30 at this stage. They're widowed. They have no male protector. And if you know what that means in that culture, it means that they've got a high risk of being extremely vulnerable to attack from males without a male protector. And so that's the situation that Ruth is presented with. Her mother-in-law is saying, see you later, I'm off back to Israel. And Ruth has two choices. Go back to her mother-in-law's with no protection. Go with Naomi with no protection. However, she decides to go with Naomi to Israel, a land that she's never been to, to a future of which she knows nothing. And... Interestingly, in verse 16, she very boldly says, Don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. 
May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. It's a pretty passionate plea. Interestingly, this statement from Ruth, she claims Naomi's Lord as her own. This is a major step away for a Moabite woman of a multi-god culture claiming Naomi's Lord as her own. And in fact, the word that she uses for Lord is Yahweh, which is a really sacred word that's reserved for use when you have a deep personal friendship with God. Somehow in Ruth's life, via Naomi or via Ruth's own husband, she's been seeded the gift of faith from these two. She has developed a personal relationship with God. And so in the face of all of this uncertainty, these two choices presented before her, she chooses God. She chooses the way that involves him, and she chooses to place her trust in him. When chaos hits, when that car accident happens, if you lose your job or your child is suddenly unwell, hold on to God. Believe that he can and he will safely see you through the storm out to the other side. For me personally, in moving down here, all I had was one psalm. Psalm 16, that I felt God had specifically planted in my mind. And in verse 8, it says, I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. And some days, amidst the packing up and the saying goodbye and wrangling those two boys onto an aeroplane and trying to set up a new home, all I had was that verse. I will not be shaken, for he's right beside me. And so that's my encouragement to you. Number one, hold on to God when that chaos hits. It might be as simple as a Bible verse like I had. It might be a song that's just your go-to song. A word from the chorus that just anchors you right back into God. Or it might be those prayers that you just throw up in the moments of stress. Don't let your focus on him waver in the midst of the storm. Let's head back to Ruth. Her and Naomi arrive back in Israel at the beginning of the harvest season, and they've got some family land, but um, because they've been away for so long, we assume no crops on it, or someone else is on it growing their own crops, and so they don't have any food. And Naomi sounds pretty depressed. In 1 verse 20, she says, Don't call me Naomi. Instead, call me Mara, which means bitter, for the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. I think we can probably all relate to her anguish. <laughs> but here, let's focus on Ruth. She's not lamenting the things that she's lost. In fact, she realizes they're without food, and she chooses to get up and go, and go and do something about their situation. And so... She heads out and she finds herself in the field of a wealthy man who's also her relative, uh, who's named Boaz. And she starts sort of scrabbling around behind the harvesters to pick up whatever little bits of grain that she can get to grind into flour to make some bread for her and Naomi. And, and I just want to get us to have a sense of the situation there. It's really hot. 
she's alone in the middle of a field and she's just sort of scrabbling around getting whatever bits of leftover that she can get. But she's conscientious about it. And it doesn't take long for Boaz to kind of come over because he spots her in the back there thinking, what's she doing? She's just like getting on with it without complaint. And he's so impressed that he comes over and gives her quite a long speech <laughs> where he promises her more grain. He shows her a better way to get it. He offers her food and water and shade at mealtimes. He promises protection from the young men in the field and he invites her to come again. He rewards her for her attitude. He mentions how much she's done for Naomi. He's impressed with her behavior. Yeah, it's quite a long speech. But let's just think here. Ruth has made this choice to follow God in the face of everything that she was given. And in a single day, with a very small action of, I need to eat, he's rewarded her with a complete U-turn in her circumstances. All the fears she had about not being provided for, all taken care of in one day. And so my encouragement to you is when you're faced with that chaos, you hold on to the Lord and you do something. You take a small step. If you lose your job, one small step. Get your CV together. Apply for just one job. If your health suddenly has a downturn, take a small step. Just ring and book that doctor's appointment. Take the first dose, the first day of that medication. Get out for one walk. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> the main point here is don't freeze stuck in your fear or your grief. Get moving. Take a small step. I have to say we had quite the year of chaos um, here when we first came down. We arrived nine days before Level 4 lockdown. And then Pete and I had the kids full-time at home through Level 4 um, as we both navigated new jobs and um, juggling these kids because daycare was closed. And, and then to top it all off, Pete fell down the stairs and broke his ankle. <laughs> and he was in hospital for eight days. Oh. <laughs> it, it was quite the storm. Um, and my small step after quite a bit of time had passed and quite a bit of encouragement for Pete because I was in a bit of a bad headspace was to actually just book in with a counsellor and get it out of my head. To chat, download, just reorder things in my mind. And honestly, that was the turning point for me. That was the starting point for me feeling like this was home. Let's check out how this story of Ruth ends. She stays gathering grain in, in Boaz's field until the end of the harvest. So I don't know how long this is. Maybe it's 30 days, maybe it's three months. But whatever, it's a huge gift of food and a huge gift of security for Ruth and Naomi. And towards the end of the harvest, Naomi kind of nudges Ruth and says, hey, you should really go and find a husband. You're still young, and, and you need to find some way to kind of prepare for what's to come. And so she encourages her to go and approach Boaz. And in Israelite culture, uh, when you're widowed, um, you basically are, um, the, the, the rules in the Bible say that you, you, you and your property 
um, able to be redeemed by a family member. So someone in your family line um, needs to marry you and then take on the responsibility of your, of your land. And so, unfortunately for Boaz, there's someone else in line ahead of him um, to do that. And so he goes and approaches this person who says, no, you have my blessing to go. And at the end of that day, he comes back to Ruth and he takes her to be his wife. And I want to paint a picture of the significance of this ending. Ruth is a Moabite. She's got no business being in Israelite territory. She's really got no importance in life when it comes to Israeli culture. But she's chosen to believe in God, trust in him for her protection, take in some faithful steps of just caring for her mother-in-law, and she's rewarded with lifelong security in the form of marriage to a pretty wealthy Israelite with quite a lot of resources at his disposal. And to top it all off, not only does she marry him, but she becomes pregnant and gives birth to a son whose name is Obed. And she finds herself contributing to the family line of King David. And if you know anything about Israelite ancestry, that means subsequently Jesus. So she suddenly finds herself as part of this much bigger picture than she could have ever imagined because she clung to God in the midst of her storm and chaos and loss and she trusted in him that the way ahead could be good. She wrote herself into the lineage of Jesus. Pretty powerful. I'll just get Nathaniel to come and do some keys for us. When you are faced with chaos, what is your response? Do you panic? Do you, do you swear? <laughs> do you freeze? Do you just pull the covers up and pretend it didn't happen? What's your knee-jerk reaction? And I think that God is asking us to examine ourselves and start to trust in him and him alone for the good trust in him for the good not in the ground that we walk on we know that's untrustworthy not in the money that we have that might provide for us or the roof over our heads that keeps us warm we trust in him that his plan ahead for us is good it's good even if it might be a little bit different to what you might have written for yourself and I want to take you back to Psalm 16, which is the psalm that God gifted me as we moved down here. And as well as verse 8, which I read to you before, I strongly felt that God gave me the promise from verse 6, which says, the land you have given me is a pleasant land. <laughs> yeah. And it says, what a wonderful inheritance. And it was a promise that good things lay ahead. And on some of the darkest days of uncertainty, I could only hold on to that. A pleasant land, a wonderful inheritance. And it is. It is. It's good. It's pleasant. It's not without chaos. <laughs> but it is good. It is good. And Ruth, with her faithfulness, her action, her obedience, wrote herself into a story far bigger and, and far more amazing than she could have ever imagined when she was sitting alone in Moab grieving the loss of her husband. Imagine if we navigated our chaos in the same way with this 
firm trust in the Lord that he is good. And that even if you can't see the way ahead, he can. He is the almighty. He's the redeemer. He's the overcomer. He's Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And he deeply desires to be in relationship with us. And to have us trust him with the outcome of our chaos. Trust him to be the anchor in your storm. And he absolutely won't let you down. I want to give you an opportunity that if you don't know Jesus in this way, if you don't feel like you know him personally, if you don't feel like you can trust him to lead you out of your chaos, and if something I've said today has resonated with you, it's actually just as easy as praying a simple prayer to draw you into a relationship with him. We pray this prayer every week in this church because we don't want to miss an opportunity with anyone here or online who desires to know God in a more personal way. And I'd love to give you that opportunity that if you want to know Jesus personally, that you pray this prayer with us as a church. We're going to pray this out loud as a declaration. Just as you bow your heads and you close your eyes, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I come to you today. I'm sorry for the bad things that I've done that keep me separated from relationship with you. I ask for your forgiveness. I ask that you come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. I ask that you help me to trust you in the storms of my life. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Elam Church Christchurch podcast. For more information about our church, you can visit www.elamchristchurch.org or connect at one of our services every Sunday at 10am.